Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. <laughs> so the, the rules were to make a laid-back song with only two chords. Yeah. It went well. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we played a live show, I'm like, I think we did what we said. <laughs> Welcome to Radio Motherboard. I'm contributing editor Meg Neal, and that clip you just heard was an interview with the band Churches during a live taping of the Song Exploder podcast at South by Southwest. The group's talking about their single Clearest Blue, which, as you can hear, is not a laid-back song. Song Exploder is a podcast that has musicians peel back the layers of their songs and talk about how they're made. Artists like Bjork, Ghostface Killa, Death Cab for Cutie, and Iggy Pop have deconstructed their songs on the show, pointing out sonic details most listeners wouldn't notice otherwise, and anecdotes that humanize the song. These insights are obviously appealing to aspiring musicians or fans of the artists, but what I think is really interesting is that the podcast is compelling even if you don't know anything about music or haven't even heard of the bands. By getting people to think about what goes into a song, it's bringing awareness to our sense of hearing, which is often overshadowed by the visual world. There was some feedback that I got when I was first starting the show, before it actually launched, from people saying, oh, why don't you do this as a video? Because video is so much, you know, you can get so many more views and, and it's such a um, more accessible and, and potentially more viral format. That's Rishikesh Hirway, the host and creator of Song Exploder. To me, the idea of adding visual information when you're talking about sound is actually antithetical to the idea. You know, when you're when you're making music and you're listening back, you're trying to listen to a mix um, or you're just listening to a recording to like check that the levels are okay, whatever, you know, they say that what you're supposed to do is, you know, turn off your monitor, close your eyes and just listen because you'll hear things with more detail. And if that principle is true, then it wouldn't make sense to, to have a video accompanying the stuff. You know, I'm trying to strip things away so people listen with as much detail and, and uh, attention as possible. If you haven't heard the show, the structure is simple. The musicians send here away the isolated stems from the song. These are the different parts of the track, uh, guitar, synths, vocals, recorded separately, which he'll listen to for any interesting sonic or lyrical bits that stand out. So then I'll go through and I um, isolate the different parts and I'm, I'm listening for things that I, I think are interesting. And usually I might have something, there's usually something that I hear in the regular song that kind of clues me into wanting to do the episode in the first place, where there'll be a sound or there'll be a, a lyric or or something that, that I feel like I want to dig more deeply into. Then he'll play the isolated stems back to the artist, 
will tell the story of how the song was made and point out things you might not otherwise know to listen for. When you strip out all the other layers and isolate each instrument, you can hear details that are hidden in the final mix. For example, once you find out that the album leaf kept the squeaking of an old piano pedal in the final recording of their song, The Outer Banks, it's like it unlocks that sound. You might not have noticed it before, but now you'll hear it every time. This look under the hood makes you hear the music in a different, richer way. It's basically opening up people's ears, which is pretty awesome if you think about it. The roads squeaked, so that's also in the recording, and we tried to like make it, we tried to bring it up. And I was kind of conscious of it, too, when we played it. So I'd be like, fuck, it's crashed, it's squeaked again. But then I was like, I was into it. Personally, I find that almost every time, I like the song more than I did before when it's played back in full at the end of the episode. When I caught up with Hearway after the church's taping, I asked whether he thinks that, in a way, the show is teaching people to listen. I would feel awesome if that were the case. I, I mean, I, I did always think that, or hope that, it would be something that could appeal to people who didn't know about music for the same reason that I love shows on the Food Network. I'm not a chef, and I'm not probably even that great of a cook. I, I, I like cooking, but I certainly don't know what I'm doing in any kind of real way. But I love watching food shows, and um, and in that context, it's even one step removed from, from something like Song Exploder. At least in Song Exploder, it's, you know... The show is in an audio format, and the material that's being discussed is also audio. Whereas when you're watching like a food food show, you're just watching it. You don't get to actually taste the thing or smell the thing that they're they're talking about. You kind of have this um, degree of separation between your experience of it and the thing that they're talking about. And yet, people love those shows, including me. Um, so I feel like if like if Song Exploder can kind of stand in as like a um, a food show about music. I get messages and talk to some people who are who tell me that they have no musical experience or background at all, who still listen to the show. I, I kind of like hearing about, I kind of like hearing from those people the most. That they, that despite that, it, it makes me feel a little bit like I'm doing my job well if somebody who has no sort of musical vocabulary necessarily can still enjoy and get something out of the show. And why do you think it is that sort of cluing the listener in on that um, makes? just the final product so much more enjoyable. I think, again, not, not with just with music, but with any form of art, sometimes it can seem a little opaque. You're presented this sort of perfect box uh, or this perfect shape, and this is the final thing, and you're asked to just sort of evaluate it and appreciate it. And I think by letting people inside to look at it, they, they get a, just a a different view instead of that same instead of that ordinary outsider view where you're just where you're looking at this opaque thing um, you're just given all these other chances to to evaluate it and and all those different angles just increases the likelihood that you might find something to connect to you know if you're only looking at it from the outside that's just that one advantage but if you see if you hear one idea that that hooks you, one idea that, that you're like, oh, I hadn't thought about things that way, or that sounds really interesting, or yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and then then you, f you can find like a new way into this idea that you might have otherwise felt shut out of. It, it's like increasing the surface area 
pretty much in every single episode, um, there hasn't been an episode that I've put out where there hasn't been at least one thing in there that has kind of, that has surprised me. Um, and, and pretty regularly I get, I feel like I get my mind blown. Um, whether it's like a funny thing, like the, um, the, the ABBA piano part in, in the MGMT song, Time to Pretend, that I'd never heard that before and probably would have never picked it out. But, um, but hearing that and now I hear it every time and, and knowing that it's in there just gave me like a sense of those guys, their sense of humor and that kind of mentality that went into making that song, you know, and the sort of like the, the irony and the joke of that song, which I, I didn't have insight into before. And also we recorded the same piano part from Dancing Queen in the song. You can't really hear it, but yeah, but it's, it's definitely there. there at the end. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. It's in there somewhere, but we'll probably get in trouble for saying this now. Or in a song like "The Commander Thinks Aloud," where in, um, in the drum track there's a this like clanging piece of metal that's supposed to mimic the breaking up of the of the metal of the space shuttle and all of that sheet metal noise that he was creating the whole end of the tune where the spaceship is coming apart he was making that sound on the rusty metal he had a vision of the song that i didn't even have Commander Thinks Aloud is a song by the Long Winters about the 2003 Space Shuttle Columbia disaster. I think that the, the stuff that works best for Song Exploder tends to be songs that have some density to them. Um, as much as I love really, really stripped down music, I mean, I, I love that, and a lot of the music that I make is sort of in that mold. But it's harder to have a really in-depth conversation about an acoustic guitar and a song that's just acoustic guitar and vocals, because the often like the sound, the sounds therein are pretty literal. Less than genre in terms of like electronic or something like that. It, it's always interesting when the people who are making the music take a less literal approach to how the instrument is produced or how the sounds are produced um like a guitar might be a pretty recognizable instrument but um but the way that nels klein plays guitar in wilco is is really interesting and, and the sounds that he comes up with are really surprising so that that's like a that's a really good fodder for an episode even though a guitar is something that everybody kind of knows and understands the way that the way that jeff tweedy described it in in the Wilco episode was that Nels Klein is a guitar player, sure, but what he really how he really considers him to be like an effects player. Like he he's what his real instrument is like are, are like the different um, effects pedals that he runs his guitar through, which I thought was a neat way of putting it. Another cool example of this kind of non-traditional use of instruments is the Song Exploder episode with the band The Books. Songwriter Nick Zamudo talked about how he would just collect a pile of sounds that he liked without even worrying about how they'd fit together, like the thump sound the needle makes at the end of a record. 
the harmonics of a PVC pipe or samples of random thoughts taken off his brother's mini-disc recorder. He talks about how, when he first got a microphone, he walked around town for an hour just recording the soundscape of the town. And when he listened to the recording that night at home, he was blown away by how he could recall every inch of the walk just from the noises. That sound alone could conjure up so much detail. One of my own ear openers came after spending a couple months researching the history of the synthesizer and listening for the iconic sounds as the machine evolved in songs throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s. That cheesy, plasticky sound of 80s synth pop was thanks to the presets on the infamous Yamaha DX7. That synthetic organ sound at the beginning of Madonna's Vogue is the famous Korg M1 and is all over 90s house music. That characteristic squelchy bass of the Roland 303 basically created Acid House. Do you feel like some people maybe don't realize the extent to which technology isn't just a tool to make a song, but can actually be the inspiration for one or um, kind of embody a sound or a song? I think it depends on who you're talking to or who the audience is, because I think it actually goes both ways. I think there are people who, um, who, yeah, are sort of unaware of how much technology can be sort of a point of inspiration for music. But I think there are also people, especially musicians, who can kind of overemphasize the importance of a specific piece of gear or having the right kind of gear in order to like produce the best to produce the best music, you know, that, that, that technology is vital and you need to have, you know, a certain number of toys or something in order to like evoke the thing, you know, that, that this, you know, these 808 sounds are the reason why they love this music, but actually it's, it has less to do with the, uh, the piece of gear or, or the, the tech and more to do with the, like the feelings and the inspiration. So I think it, it's, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It, it, can be a, it can be seen both ways. I think it can be under, underestimated and overestimated. After the live taping with churches, Motherboard staff writer Jason Kebler and I talked more about whether or not people are really interested in what goes into a song and why. Yeah, we actually listened to the podcast for the first time together, didn't we? Like in a car ride. We um, did. Yeah, we with did. With Motherboard's growth manager, <laughs> manager Evan, Evan Rogers. Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> so why, why do you think this podcast has been so popular? Like, I think that we like it for totally different reasons because you're very into the gear aspect of it. Whereas I, I like hearing the kind of artist personality come through and I don't, I don't find the, like the tech part of it as interesting because it, a lot of it goes over my head. Do you think people are really curious about that or more like, oh, this is a cool opportunity to hear my favorite band. No, I think people definitely care about it. I mean, you care about it. A lot of other people, like all musicians, I would assume care about it. People who have a better ear for certain things care about it. Um, I don't necessarily just, I don't have the ear for hearing like this is an analog synth versus this is a digital synth. Um, and so for me, it's, 
it's more the personality. And I'm, I'm certainly interested to hear that stuff. And it's, I, I love to learn about it. Jason and I were down in Austin for South by Southwest, where sound kind of got a lot of attention this year. So this is my first time at South by Southwest, um, and I'm not sure how it usually is, but I have noticed that there's a lot more music tech here than I was expecting, and maybe that's a function of it, uh, you know, first being a music festival and eventually adding interactive. But it seems like every other talk has been like, the future of high definition audio, the future of like 3D sound, like 3D sound and virtual reality, um, and like new music apps, new sound apps, um, that sort of thing. And I'm wondering if you think that this is more of like a revolution or if this is just kind of like typical South by type of things. I, I think we are sort of at this moment where people are paying a lot of attention to sound because of VR, right? VR is like, all the rage this year. It's what everyone's talking about. But VR is at this point where to really make it super believable um, and realistic, people need to start paying attention to sound and not just the visuals. So 3D sound, people are talking about a lot. Spatial audio is closer to the industry jargon, I think. Um, So what is 3D sound? 3D sound is basically a catch-all for audio that more closely mimics how we hear in real life because it includes the dimension of depth. So instead of just like surround sound, which you can hear it behind your head and all around, you can also hear sounds that are right up close to you or sounds that are far away. You can be listening in headphones and it sounds like the singer is right up whispering in your ear. Um, and that's, you know, pretty cool effect, but super crucial with VR because that's how the brain locates um, sound is is when you add that extra dimension. So you can tell, like, you know, you can hear a pin drop and you can tell it's coming from, like, kind of to the right and back of you. Um, and that puts you in the moment. Right, yeah. We've spent a lot of this week with, like, Oculus Rift strapped to our faces and Gear VR strapped to our faces. And uh, it seems like something that people haven't quite figured out yet. Um, you know, there's been a lot of like 360 video where you're kind of in the middle and there's a narrative in front of you and then suddenly it's elsewhere. And the way that you find out that it's elsewhere is they like, you kind of just move your head and hope that it's, you know, that something is happening over there. Or someone's like, hey, look over, look to the left. And then you look to the left. But with binaural audio, uh, you know, a window will open on the left and you'll hear it coming from the left and you will then turn your head. And that's like a better method of storytelling than being like, hey, look over there or just like banking on the fact that the person is sitting in a swivel chair and is like constantly spinning their face around. And I mean, this is a like a tangent from the Song Exploder podcast, but I think it does speak to the fact that sound is really having a moment both with podcasts with, you know, VR uh, and with, uh, you know, the technology to allow regular people to make music, regular people being non-musicians. Yeah, that was another sort of theme here is various ways for people who aren't musicians to make music or people that don't have that skill or musicianship. The Sound Hunters app is kind of cool. You just record noises and sounds from everyday life around you and the app algorithm just turns it into a track you know an electronic music 
track that you can then put effects on and play with, but you just did it by just starting to hear things, you know, in everyday life. Like, uh, I was walking by an ATM and the dings stuck out to me, so I recorded the dings and added them into this mix. And that's like a a similar thing um, that I was talking about with Song Exploder, which is just you start to train your ear to not just hear things for a practical purpose, but hear things in a little bit more of a creative way and hear music in the everyday sounds around you, as cheesy as that sounds. I lit the stove, get down and just admit it. That was a clip from some of Hirway's own music, the track Asphyxiated off the Moors EP. Moors is a hip-hop duo with rapper and actor Keith Stanfield, who played Snoop in Straight Outta Compton. Hirway also has a longtime electropop solo project called The 1AM Radio. Though what originally brought him out to L.A. was to get into film scoring. I- I've scored a couple of films. I scored a feature that went to that was at Sundance um, a few years ago and a, and a documentary that was at uh, South by Southwest and those both are um, those are both I think on, on Netflix one of them is called Save the Date and the other one is called R. Nixon Is that something that you're interested in doing more of? Yeah that's I, I, I really love that and that's really the reason why I came to LA was to try and um, see if I could pursue film scoring And then you accidentally created a wildly popular podcast instead <laughs> or in addition i guess doing the song exploder was definitely kind of an experiment it was I, I did it right after i started working on it right after the last film i scored um came out like it played at south by southwest and then on the way back from the festival that year i i was sort of looking at my you know my touring was done um on, on my on the last like 1am radio album cycle the film I had scored was has sort of was sort of done, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And I'd had the idea for Song Exploder in the back of my head a little bit, and and coming back on the plane, I, I remember being deciding like, yeah, I think I'm going to try and see if I can make that a real thing and see see if it has legs. Um, that was also the the that that South by Southwest. That's when I met Keith too, and we we talked about trying to do do something together. And so both Song Exploder and Moore's kind of came out of that that week-long trip. Um, and it just ended, it, it ended up changing, changing my path, I guess, changing my life. That's our show. Thanks for listening. If you haven't told your friends yet to subscribe to us, please do. You can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Or send us a note at radio at motherboard.tv. We'll be back next week with an episode from Features Editor Brian Anderson with a story from the Mexican border. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.